this is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Well, good evening, guys. It's good to be with you. I'm super, super excited about this. And um, Charlie, if we could just put on some background music now. Are we good, Charlie? Oop, that's echoing. Excuse me. Just put on some little background music there now, Charlie. And uh, let's just get right into the presence of the Lord. If you're watching, go ahead and share this. Make sure to invite people, please. And uh, tag people in your comments who you feel like need to to uh, be watching this right now. You can text people and invite them. Do whatever you need to do. But go ahead and share this right now if you, if you don't mind. I'm going to be teaching on how I spend time with Jesus. I just feel like it's it's so vital, especially in the season we're living in, this amazing Jesus movement that's uh, sweeping the world, really. And uh, that will only happen by people who are filled with the presence of Jesus. So why don't you go ahead and and invite those people, and when you get done, we're going to get straight into prayer. So let's just lift our hands right where you are. Come on. Let's just just connect our hearts with the Lord. Yes, the Holy Spirit, we thank you for your love for Jesus. We thank you that there is only one way to the Father. That's what you said, Lord, that no man comes to the Father but by me. And so, Lord, we gladly come to you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I ask that your presence, that it would fill every bedroom, every living room, every car, Lord, every person that's watching, regardless of the device, that your presence is flowing through that life right now, and that you're going to do miracles tonight, that a love for you is going to explode in us, that the fire of God is going to begin to fall on people, that you're going to fill many people even now with the Holy Spirit. The most of all, Lord, a beautiful, authentic love for your presence will erupt in us. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. We love you. Amen. 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 So, I wanted to begin. Uh, I, 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 I get this question all the time. Michael, how do you spend time with the Lord? What do you do? And which is really a compliment, you know. Um, I, I think if somebody, if I wanted people to ask me a question, I think, number one, the first question I'd want them to ask me is, who is Jesus? What is he like? That, that is the most important question that anyone can ask. It's the most important question in life. Um, secondly, it would be, can you teach me how to experience the presence of Jesus when I'm all alone? Our worship unto the Lord is way more important than the stuff we think we're doing for the Lord. It's important you get that. I'll never forget my father-in-law and I doing a show together, and he was talking about the seraphim. In, in, uh, in around the throne in Isaiah chapter 6. The Bible says they had six wings. You know, let's, why don't we just go there? Let, man, I love this. Jesus move in glory and in power right now. Al- al- illuminate the scriptures as we read. 
I hope you're enjoying this because I love the word. Isaiah chapter 6. It's this beautiful heavenly encounter that Isaiah has. Mm. So powerful. Let's start with verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Wow. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. Now listen. With two He covered His face. With two He covered His feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So powerful. Again, that is, let's post these scriptures, guys. Again, that is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Notice this: the seraphim have six wings. And they are literally in this glorious, glorious presence of the Lord who's sitting on His throne high and lifted up. Imagine the robe, the train of His robe filling the temple. There's this heavenly temple that is real. Filling the temple with glory. And these six wings are all doing something. With one, with I should say with two, they covered their face. With the other two, they covered their feet. And with the other two, they flew. Two, they covered their face. Two, they covered their feet. And with the other two, they flew. Notice something. The flying speaks of, it speaks of service. The, 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 uh, well, I'm sorry. The flying speaks of worship. It's the lifting of worship. The, the covering of the face speaks of worship. The covering of the feet speaks of service, where I'm going, what I'm doing. That's why the priests, before they could go into the tabernacle, they had to wash. So anyways, that's, that's a separate teaching, but I, I don't want to go down that road. But I'm, 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 what I'm trying to say is, covering the face speaks of worship. We see the ancient Israel and the Jews today, they take... They take their prayer cloth, they put it over their head, and they cover their face. It's an act of humble worship. When, when David, when David lost Ziglag, he he did the same thing. Came into agreement and covered his face in worship. When we get down on our knees and bow low, we're covering our face in worship, with a desire to see the face of Jesus Himself. These wings that help us fly are wings speaking of ascending into worship. Remember what the Lord spoke, that He would lift us up unto the high places in Deuteronomy and there cause us to suck honey from the rock. They that wait upon the Lord shall what? They will what? They rise up like eagles. This speaks of the lifting of worship, the lifting of the Spirit. I might add, this is where we experience the high call of God, the upward call of God 
in Christ. The Holy Spirit is always lifting our hearts, always lifting our desires. It's always an updraft with Him. Because as He lifts us, we begin to lose sight of what's down here. We, 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 the things that hold us down, they don't hold us anymore. So Paul said it like this, clip off, strip away, snip away those things that so easily ensnare us and hold us down. So that speaks of this lifting. So the two wings, they covered their face. The two wings, they, they, they flew. That speaks of the high places in worship. Both speak of worship. And then with two, they covered their feet. In other words, four wings used for worship. Two, two for service. Two for service. That tells me that worship is more important to the Lord than what we're doing. We've, we've got to get that, guys. God is more, I know this is hard to get, but true worship. Oh, I feel him now. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, the moment I said that, I felt the Lord. True worship, true worship is the most important thing we could ever do. Some of you might disagree with that, but I think if you... If, if you looked at the scriptures and saw what true worship is, which is a heart communing with the Lord, a heart that has found itself to be one with the Lord, a heart that bows low before the Lord, a heart that is in love with the Lord, it trumps the stuff we do. You say, well, what about, what about going out and preaching? That's so important. It's very important. But only what we do unto Him matters. I should let me say it like this: Only what we do under the Lord, only that registers on our behalf. Only that is accredited in our account. You can preach the gospel; it's wonderful, it's holy. I do it just about every week. I'm addicted and committed to the gospel. I believe in the gospel of Jesus. But I learned something: the gospel is a person, and so the fruit, the point of the gospel, is not to merely pull us out of a hell, pull us out of hell. I mean, that is very important, obviously, and I'm so grateful for that aspect of the gospel. But Jesus saved us so that we would love him. He loved us with a desire to be loved in return. That's what he's wanting. He's wanting us to love him. So here we see the priority of the Lord is that we worship him. And here's the deal. If you learn to spend time with Jesus and worship Jesus, He will do more with your life as it pertains to service than you ever dreamed. You might feel like you're doing less, but in the midst of that, He's doing more. And this is a beautiful place to live. So, that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, so let's turn back to Exodus. I want to show you something. The Lord just showed me, oh, I don't know, maybe a month ago. Please remember, go ahead and share this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Sorry, I'm taking a while to get there. Hallelujah. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. I don't want that one. 
was going to go up to one spot, but I want to give you another. This, I actually just preached this at the dwelling place in Houston. So powerful. Hmm. Exodus chapter 16. I want you to go to verse... Uh, Yeah, why don't we read the whole... The, well, that, that, that'd be a little much. Go to verse 11. Exodus sixteen eleven. And the Lord spoke to Moses... And by the way, if you have a real Bible, just get it out. I don't know. You're like, why? I don't know. Just get it out. It makes me... I don't know. I love real Bibles. Get, get yours out. Um, if you don't, fine. We'll lead you to the Lord afterwards. I'm just, just, I'm just playing. Exodus 16... Verse 11, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. (laughs) God hears our complaints. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay all around the camp. Verse 14, listen very carefully. I hope you're underlining. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? I want you to underline that. What is it? When they saw it, they said, what is it? Underline, when they saw it, and what is it? This is all very important, okay? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. <laughs> Do you remember when, the, when, the, when Israel said to Jesus, Hey, Moses gave us bread from heaven. What are you going to do? And Jesus said, Moses didn't give you the bread. My Father in heaven. Gave you the bread. And that's actually what happened. What it says right here in verse 15 of Exodus 16. This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Underline that. The Lord has given you to eat. Oh, hallelujah. Man, this is so powerful. It's wild. That's wild. Go ahead and share this, by the way, and invite your friends. Well, let's get back and look at this. Look at verse 13. In the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. It's very important as you study the Bible that you know what the Bible is about at the core. You have to know what the Bible is about or you will turn the Bible into a life application book or you'll turn the Bible into a bunch of promises that you can use for your benefit when you're really in a bind. Or you can think the Bible is about doctrine and read the whole Bible through the lens of that doctrine. It's, and and that's, that's helpful at times, but, but there's, there's a place that's much deeper. There's a place where intimacy uh, is available in the Scriptures. And you, you always want to give the Lord the, the right in your life to tell you what the Word is all about. It, the word is from him. 
the word is of him. It's his. So we should give him the right to, to tell us what the word's about. Now, according to Jesus, Jesus said this to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures to find life. But the scriptures speak of me. You won't come to me so that I can give you life. So according to Jesus, the whole Bible is about him. The moment Jesus said, the scriptures speak of me, it changed the game from Genesis to Revelation. The entire Bible is about Jesus. The types and shadows, every, every accent mark is about the Lord. The Revela- book of Revelation, does it deal with future and past and current events? Of course, but it's ultimately the revelation of Jesus. Does Paul deal with faith and justification by faith in Romans and the, the, the process of salvation? Absolutely. But at the core, it is the faith of Jesus. It is faith in Jesus. So if you miss Jesus in the Bible, you miss the whole point of the Bible. So there is just a beautiful river of the Holy Spirit that flows from Genesis to Revelation that screams, this is Jesus. And that is according to Jesus. So we just need to believe that. So we need to start coming to our Bibles instead of, you know, sometimes we... I mean, I've done it, man. When I was younger, man, I was so like wild and wanting everyone to see things the way I saw them. I'm still wild, but I have learned a little bit. Um, we 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 just want people to see things exactly the way exactly the way we see them. So some people read the Bible to prove other people wrong. The Bible is about the Lord. Never forget that. The Bible is about Jesus. The scriptures speak of me. After Jesus was raised from the dead on the road to Emmaus, he opened the scriptures to them and taught them about himself via the scriptures. He did the same thing when the Bible says he taught them through the Psalms and the prophets, the things concerning himself. So the scriptures are about Jesus. That tells me something. Jesus is being revealed in what we're reading now in Exodus 16. So get back to that chapter, if, 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 if you lost it. Get back to Exodus 16. And let's see what the Lord is saying. Verse 13, In the morning the dew lay all around the camp. I'm not going to build a doctrine about this. I, I don't. That's not my desire. I'm not trying to, to, to say this is the only way you can pray. But the biblical standard i should yeah the biblical example in the life of jesus and the life of david and the life of moses was early morning prayer um man you got to get out of bed uh I, I i tell our crew this all the time charlie and jordan the rest ali um, our interns that are coming from from reading they'll they'll hear this all the time early morning prayer is the way jesus prayed you say well that's the way he prayed But he didn't tell them to do it every morning. Again, the whole Bible is about Jesus. The Psalms, David wrote under the inspiration of Jesus, really the Lord speaking through David, early will I seek thee. 
Jesus was praying in the fourth watch through the night uh, and, and walked on water, actually, in the fourth watch, when, which is between 3 and 6 a.m. Now, I'm not telling you to get up at 3. I'm just saying this is what he did. Moses woke up early in the morning to go and be on Mount Sinai. Um, and it goes on and on and on. Jesus got up early in the morning while the disciples were still sleeping. They couldn't find him. And he went to a very solitary place. Solitude in the morning was very important to him. And so for me, I have found this to be very beneficial. So I want you to, to just say, you know what? I'm going to spend my mornings with Jesus. It just does something to your day. It does something. I, I would never want to face my day uh, without spending time with the Lord in the morning. Now, some of you physically, maybe uh, you can't do that. Maybe you, you have a, a condition I know, I know somebody who's very dear to me who struggles to pray early in the morning because she suffers from insomnia and she's up, she's up uh, all night because of uh, horrible joint pain. And so she prays through the night. That's her time. When she's in pain, she just prays through the night. And we're believing God to heal her. So, but what I am saying this, that's the exception. Start your days with the Lord. Okay, early in the morning. Next, look back at look back at verse thirteen. The dew lay all around the camp. The dew lay all around the camp. The dew speaks of the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, the moisture of the Spirit. Whenever we see water in the Scriptures, it speaks of three things. Number one. The presence of the Spirit. Okay? David wrote, Deep calleth unto deep. The depths of the Spirit calling unto the deep. What's the other deep? The Spirit of the redeemed. The deep calling unto deep in me. So the, the water speaks of the, the Spirit of, of the Lord, the Spirit of men and women, and the washing of the Word. The washing of the word. So, when we see moisture here, we're talking about the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. That's a very, very beautiful, important place to live. When you're in that atmosphere, you're not crying out for rain because you're living in that atmosphere. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were living in the midst of the garden. And because of that, the garden was very fruitful. They were literally living in the moisture or the presence, the glory of God. So, this moisture began to fill the camp. And this became their environment in the morning. And that's how your mornings can be. Your mornings can be filled with that, with that moisture. Your mornings can literally become possessed with and charged with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And what that does is, this is the way I like to, I like to look at it. Um, the heart, oh, help me, Lord. Why don't you just lift your hands right now and just just pray in tongues so that so that uh, 
he'll give us revelation so that you, you can receive this too. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The heart has these passions. I'm not talking about good passion. The heart has these desires. The soul. The soul, I should say. And the soul is, is, is like burning. These little embers are, are popping up. These desires, and they begin to burn in us. And those things need to die. Uh, there's only one fire we want burning in us, and that's the fire of love for Jesus. And, and by the way, once that fire starts, according to the scriptures, it can never go out. That's what Leviticus teaches us. This fire must never go out. I love what Bill Johnson says. God lights it, but it's our job to keep it burning. So that's the only fire we want. And we have these passions, the stuff that burns in us, you know, the stuff we think matters, the stuff... That, that we're thinking of in prayer. And so we begin to notice in our heart, man, I'm sitting here, and why am I thinking about money right now? Why am I thinking about my family right now? Uh, in, you know, in a bad way. Why am I stressing uh, my kids or my wife or whatever? Why am I worried about budget here and, and work and what these people think of me? All of the sudden, these little sparks are flying in us and they're like it's 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 strange fire similar to what nadab and abihu lit it it doesn't belong there we have a few options one we can declare war on those and all we're doing at that moment by giving it our attention because attention is the fuel of the spiritual life i'm gonna say that again attention is the fuel of the spiritual life so i can turn my attention toward those thoughts, and without knowing, I'm I'm fanning them. I'm actually pouring gasoline. It's another way to look at it. I'm pouring fuel on what I don't want. I'm binding, I'm loosing, I'm doing all of this stuff. I'm rebuking, (laughs) I'm stomping, I'm walking around. I've said this before. Some I've watched some people pray. It's like I want to give them a Gatorade because they're just going spastic sometimes there's time for that but but they're fighting stuff and they're going after stuff and there's a time for that too but when it comes to these passions dying you're not going to win that war by declaring war on them because the war has already been won and i'll get to that in a second so this moisture as you begin to in the morning you're there i i personally go sit on my chair i have a a chair in in a in a room in my house, that's, I love that chair. That's my chair. It's my room to go be with the Lord. And so I go in there, and I just start to wait on the Lord. And I just start to worship the Lord. I wait, and I worship. I wait, and I worship. I talk to Him. I say nice, kind, beautiful things to Him. I begin to tell Him what He means to me. I start with thanksgiving. I, I'm thankful. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for who the Lord is. I'm actually thanking him for his goodness. That's why we thank him. Remember, we thank the Lord for his goodness. We praise the Lord because of his greatness. Never forget that. Great is the Lord and worthy to be praised. So we're praising him because of his goodness. But I'm thanking him. I'm sorry, we're praising him because of his greatness. But in these early stages, I'm thanking God for who he is. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for thank you for your, your your mercy on me. Thank you for saving me. Jesus, thank you for for coming into this room right now. Thank you that you were here before I ever got here in the end of this room. 
Thank you that you live in my heart. Thank you for food. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my wife, my children. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for those who, who told me about you when, when I was young. I'm going down this list. It's the only, it's the only uh, list, prayer list I have in my Bible. It's right here. It's a thank you list. It's very intentional. I'm thanking the Lord. Now, as I begin thanking Him, I just, it's mixing with, with, with praise and back in Thanksgiving. And then I wait and then and do it again. Now I can sense that moisture, the dew in the camp that's in verse 13. Now that dew's in my house. I'm not talking about real dew, though that would be cool. I'm all in. I would take that in a second. But that moisture, the atmosphere of the Lord. Atmosphere is so important. People say atmosphere is not important. That's our, the atmosphere of the Spirit, the Spirit Himself. If He's not important, who is? I'm not saying you need it to, to you need to feel that to work a miracle. But wherever the Holy Spirit goes, He changes the atmosphere. He changes everything. So much so that in the book of Acts, when He showed up in a prayer meeting, He didn't just shake the walls but that's not, the, that's not what the Word says. The Word says the place that they prayed was shaken. The air shook. When He comes in, He changes the atmosphere. And so here, this dew that's in verse 13 is a picture of our mornings with the Lord. And, and notice that the dew was there when they came out of their tents. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. In other words, the Lord was waiting on them. The presence of the Spirit. He was waiting on them. So in the morning when you get up, I want you in your heart to know and understand you're not really going into to prayer. You're going into that room to be with Jesus. Man, that's a big... It's the same thing, but it's not in, in our own minds. Just a slight shift in language will change everything. Just that slight shift. So, all of a sudden, I'm in my heart. I know I'm going. I'm, I'm going into the camp that morning, in into this atmosphere of the Lord, and there's dew there, there's moisture there, there's beauty there. And again, that's what Adam and Eve lived in. You know, when revival comes, you're not really crying out for revival. You're crying out for the Lord. And here's why. You're not living in a dry and parched land. You're living in, in, the, in, in the presence of the Spirit. And I love, I love how Eric Gilmore teaches this. And he's right, it's in the Scriptures. The rebellious dwell in a dry land. I hate to say this, but these... Look, I believe in wilderness experiences. I totally do. I've been through them. But I don't believe in dry times with the Lord. How, how can I be dry if, a, if a, a, a well lives inside of me? How can I be dry if a spring is gushing forth and becomes a river? It's really hard to get closer than within. I'll say that again. The Lord is within me. He's inside of me. That's pretty close. So how is it that I, if He's in me, how is it that I live in, in dryness? 
in a parched land. And so that's why the scripture says the rebellious live there. What is rebellion? It's turning my attention from the Lord. He's here. It's me saying, I don't need you right now. I'm going that way. Oh, I sense your presence, Lord. I know you're here, but I'm on Facebook. The Lord's on this feed, so that was a bad example. I'm checking my Instagram feed, Lord. I sense you for a moment. I feel like you want to be with me, but I'm, I'm going to keep doing this. Uh, I, I sense him when I'm watching TV, but this is a good show. That's, that is the beginning stages of rebellion. Every time I turn from him, I slap away his outstretched hand that's saying, I want to be with you. That is rebellion. And it's to that heart, a heart that says, I don't want to enjoy the moisture of the Lord. That person signs up for dryness. Of course, he's saying no to the river, the river of the Lord. So you need to get that out of your mind. These dry spells they talk about. It's, that's not God's fault. When, when we were born again, the Lord didn't just save us. The Bible says our bodies became the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul wrote. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Jesus told the woman at the well, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask him for a drink. You can drink this water and you'll thirst again. But the water that I give you, if you drink it, you will never thirst again. And then he said that if we would drink it, from our innermost being would flow rivers, rivers of living water. The reason it's not flowing throughout our life is because we're not drinking. So, we are indwelt with this beautiful presence of the Holy Spirit, this beautiful spring. And that spring, like Teresa of Avila said, is a fountain that never moves. He is not going anywhere. He is right there. And so at any moment, I can, I can commune with the Lord who is right there within me. And so when I get into my room in the morning, I'm, I'm waiting on that moisture. And typically, He's already there. Now, I feel that now, actually. And the Bible says that do lay all around the camp, everywhere. Again, just like Adam and Eve, that mist that came up from the ground, which, by the way, was used when the Lord when the Lord molded them with clay. That 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 presence was involved there in that clay, and that was their world. There is a place in His presence. Listen, where you're not crying out for God to do something, you're merely crying out. For God. As I said before, in a move of God, you're not crying out for a move of God. You're crying out for God. So in this moisture, you're not crying out for rain. You are living in the water. Amen. And when the dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness, verse 14, was a small round substance, as fine as frost. <laughs> On the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Now listen. Let's take a close look here. It was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. 
so the, the moisture dissipates. In other words, the Holy Spirit's atmosphere is there. The sun of righteousness begins to shine. That happens through us looking at Him, adoring Him, thanking Him, praising Him. As we begin to praise Him, He becomes enthroned. He begins to dwell in our praise, Psalm 22. He inhabits the praises of His people. And all of a sudden, the Son of Righteousness, the sun of righteousness sets on the moment and, and He begins to shine down in, our, in this atmosphere. And, 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 and something is left. Something is left, and it's the manna. The word, the, the phrase, what is it? That is what the word manna means. What is it? And that should happen. Listen. That should happen in our hearts every time we minister to the Lord. A fresh vision of Jesus should come. I, I don't necessarily mean like an open eye vision. That'd be wonderful. But your heart should behold the Lord in a new way every day. He's, he's so available. You know, there's so many facets of the Lord that we haven't seen. I want you to think about that. There's so many aspects of the Lord that we haven't seen. So much of His beauty that we haven't seen. And I'll tell you why. It's because we're not looking. We're not in the dew. Most of us are sleeping in our tents. There, none of the manna appeared in the tents. You had to get out. The Bible says in, in Exodus 33, before he employed, before Moses hired Bezalel in chapter 37, I believe, in Exodus 33, the Bible, before there was a tabernacle, the Bible says that Moses left his tent and took his tent outside the camp, and that tent became the meeting tent of the Lord. All of Israel stood up and watched him go into the tent and watched him go outside the camp, and then the Lord would come and descend, check this out, and stand at the front door of the tent. The Lord's cloud, the Spirit of the Lord. Man, the Lord takes our time with him so personally that he literally guards the front door. In other words, he's saying, I'm happy Moses is in. I don't want him to leave, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guard the door, and I don't want anyone else coming in. He's mine. He's mine. And that's what the Scripture talks about in the Song of Solomon when it says, a garden enclosed is my sister. That's what the Lord's saying about the Shulamite. I put a fence around her. Nobody's allowed in this garden. This garden belongs to her and I. And I'm going to hold her hand and walk with her through this garden like I held the hand of Adam. And we're going to talk in a very real way. And she's going to find her authenticity here. She's going to discover how much I love her. She's going to discover how real I am. She's going to sense my touch. As David said, you teach us with your hand. She, in other words, God teaches us by touching us, by nudging us, by caressing us, by pulling us. It's all very experiential, all of this. So this is what's happening now in the, in the life of Moses as this tent now is becoming his garden. And that's what, that's what can happen with us. The point is you got to get out of the tent. you got to roll out of bed. Like actually get out of the bed and set your alarm. You say, will I be tired? Maybe. Yeah, you will. But if the Lord walks into that room, you will not be thinking about how tired you are. 
And even if you pay a dear price, and you might have to, to really experience the Lord, when you do, you'll never say, Lord, that wasn't worth the price I just paid. What took you so long? None of that comes out of your mouth. You're just stuck. You're stuck. You're, you're, you're addicted. You're stuck. You're just blown away by his beauty. So you've got to get out of the tent. You've got to get out into the camp where the dew is. And when you do, you live in that place, you begin to worship the Lord, and the Lord is enthroned. And that the Lord begins to sit as the son of righteousness with healing in his wings, begins to sit in that atmosphere of the dew. And that is Jesus himself. And something is left, manna. And that word means, what is it? As I said before, that should leap up in our hearts every morning after we've experienced him. Jesus, I thought I knew you, but who are you? You're amazing. Oh my gosh, I didn't see you that way. Did you know that the Hebrew word for God's face is banim? Banim is the Hebrew word. That, in the, in the Old Covenant, banim. That word has never, is not used in a singular tense in the scriptures. It's used in a plural tense. In other words, God, obviously it's one God, but God has different facets to his face. It's like the face of God has all of these different beautiful faces. I'll tell, let me tell you a story. Richard Wurmbrandt, who was... Uh, tortured for Christ. That's the book, actually, written about his life, Tortured for Christ. He was, I think, for 14 years, I might be wrong on this part, but for, for a long time in solitary confinement, he was beaten. He was in a, a gray underground cell, imprisoned by the communists in Romania. After he had been underground for years and beaten daily, uh, he was not allowed to have a Bible. They drugged him so that he would forget the scriptures. He could not have communion. Um, all of these horrible things that happened to him. One day, his, his, uh, the chief torturer interrogator came and brought him uh, to be questioned. And by then, he, he had been so withered away. He hadn't seen himself in years. And his hair had fallen out. His teeth had all fallen out. Uh, he hadn't seen his face in so many years. And so this guy wanted to mock him. So this guy had a Bible there on the table. And um, he said, I have a question. Is this, uh, is this Bible true? You need to share this, by the way. Make sure you're sharing in the Soma feed. This is really powerful. It's going to change lives. He said, is this Bible true? The communist said to him. Brother Wormbrand said, yes, it is. He said, do you, do you believe that this is the word of God? He goes, I do. He said, and do you believe God is good? He said, I do. He said, so you believe that the God of this Bible is good? He said, yes, I do. Then the man held up a, a mirror. And remember, Richard hadn't seen his himself in so long. And he held up the mirror, and Richard saw himself that way. No teeth, skin pale, eyes sunken in, withered away, skin and bone. His hair had fallen out because of the stress. He said, if your God loves you and he's so good, what do you say about yourself right now? Did he make you? And uh, Richard said to him, sir, there's one thing you don't understand about my God. He has many faces. He said, uh, 
right now you're staring at the face of Jesus the sufferer. In other words, he's living in my face. I thought, wow, what, what an amazing truth. What an amazing statement. The Lord is wanting to reveal himself to us. We just need to look at him. We just need to get, put the time in just, just to be with him and love him and stare at him. And oh, how you'll be blown away. And your heart will scream. What it says right here in verse 15. What is it? Oh, who are you? Oh my gosh. You know that kind of love when you first have your first child. You're looking at him going, what is this? Oh my, wait. That's mine? Uh, you're short-circuited because of the vision. And that's what he does to our heart. Now let me talk to you about the Lord being revealed here in the manna. Number one. The manna was round. The manna was round. That speaks of Jesus' eternal nature. He is, there's no beginning and no end to him. Isn't this powerful? Man, this is awesome. You need to share this. It speaks of his eternal nature. The manna was white in color. The white speaks of Jesus' purity, that he was so pure. The manna was found on the ground. That means he is the one who has come from heaven and come down and is the lowly one. <laughs> the manna was found in the dew. You, or the dew, I should say. As the dew lifted, the manna remained. Jesus is always revealed by the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to see manna without the dew. No dew, no manna. No Holy Spirit, no revelation of Jesus. The manna was sweet to the taste, like honey. Speaking of the sweetness of the presence of Jesus, like Deuteronomy thirty says, or Deuteronomy says, "I will suck honey from the rock after I am lifted up to the high places." We receive the sweet honey of the Lord in His presence. He's sweet to the taste. He's beautiful. Oh Lord, we love you. And the manna was very thin. Remember, it was a thin substance. Speaks of the fragile nature of the heart of the Lord. That he's easily wounded. The Holy Spirit, he's easily wounded. That Jesus is still the man of sorrows who suffers. It's possible to hurt the Lord. Now after you see the manna in this light, that it's round, he's eternal, that it's white, that he's pure, that it's on the ground because he's come down from heaven and is lowly and humble, that it's sweet because of his sweet, sweet nature as we receive his presence, that it's thin because he's fragile. All of this, this, this beautiful mixture of the characteristics of God, it does something in the heart, and the heart goes, oh, who are you? And then the Bible says this, I love this, Moses said to them, this is bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the bread who has come down from heaven. I am the bread who has come down from heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I feel your presence, Lord. I'm the bread who's come down from heaven. I am the bread of God. Think of that. I am the bread of God who is given, who is given for all. 
I'm the bread of God. I'm not the PowerPoint of God. I'm not the study guide of God. And I'm saying these things for a reason. I'm not the uh, systematic outline of God. I'm not the... Jesus is perfect theology, but he didn't come to give them theology. He came to give them the Lord. And Charlie, I want you to keep this center shot right here. I feel this. He said, I'm the bread. Bread speaks of reception. Bread speaks of eating. Bread speaks of union. Bread speaks of me taking the Lord face to face, His face into my face, and feasting on the Lord. Bread is the most available food in the world. It's the most common food in the world. You find it everywhere. Speaking of Jesus's the fact that he is the only substitute who saves the world. He's the only life. Bread brings life. To get bread, you have to take many pieces of wheat and bring them together. That's what the Lord has done. He has taken people from all over the world. He brings them together with hopes of what? That they would receive the revelation of Jesus in unity and union with him and receive him. So when you come into that presence and you, you've ministered to the Lord and there is an atmosphere there and you're, 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 you're thanking Him, you begin to praise Him, and you wait and then another wind comes and you begin to talk to the Lord a little more. and You love on Him, like Madame Guyon said, like a little baby. When, when the baby's drinking that milk, it's just a steady flow. It's not fighting that milk, it's just flowing. And then when the milk stops, the baby cries. It means, Mommy, I want more. That's what we do with the Lord. We sense these shifts. We're in that atmosphere of the dew. We're outside the camp. We've gotten out of our tent. And we're beginning to talk to the Lord, waiting, loving, ministering, worshiping, starting with thanksgiving and praise. And all of a sudden, that dew becomes our atmosphere. And we begin to exalt the Lord. And Jesus begins to shine the rays of light from the Son of Righteousness that He is. And then this, this, this bread is left. And it's another revelation of Jesus. But we can't, we can't stop shy of receiving, receiving the Lord. Actually enjoying the Lord. Waiting there in His presence. And that's what I do. I get there in my chair. And through adoration, adoration and worship. All adoration is is silent love. Silent love, it's the heart looking at the Lord and it's just, it's spinning, it's moving, it's fiery. It's, he's, he's, he's stirring in me and if I wanted to say something, I guess I could really try in that moment, but the Holy Spirit's saying, don't say anything now. Man, we're an hour and a half in. Just don't do anything. Just enjoy. And if I say anything, it's stuff like, Lord, I love you. Lord, I need you. Lord, you're wonderful. You're beautiful. Oh, you're beautiful. And then you start to experience the groanings that can't be uttered. I don't mean screaming. I mean, these are groanings. The heart begins to groan. So the, the, your mouth struggles in this moment because it's so in love with him. It's so experiencing him because you're eating this manna. And your heart's going, oh my God, what is this? Oh my God, what is this? Oh my God, what is this? Over and over again, manna, 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 manna. And Jesus said, he's the manna. You're really saying, Jesus, 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 the whole time. And then as you are, all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're receiving his presence. You're actually ingesting it through adoration and worship. And then the Lord begins to do just about everything there. 
Hopefully he's doing everything. And this is where real prayer is found, where the Holy Spirit himself begins to do this. And without knowing, we begin to take in and take in the, the nature of the Lord, almost like this beautiful spiritual DNA exchange. And we begin to take in the nature of the Lord. And the two cries merge that Paul talked about. Whereby he cries, the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father. Oh my gosh, a father. You're not crying Michael in that moment. So important. Guys, we get so tripped up on stuff. You know you, you know you're experiencing the Lord when your cry is the Lord. And so the Holy Spirit in you cries Abba. And then you cry Abba. That's what the Bible says. Whereby we cry, whereby he cries Abba. His cry merge becomes my cry. That speaks of possession and union. And then all of a sudden, I'm becoming like the Lord. And that's Romans 8. That we would be conformed into the image of His Son. This is, this is what happens when you spend time with the Lord. And that's what you do. You just do what I just said. And you, you, you put on some beautiful worship. You can. You don't have to. And you just sit there and minister to Him. And I don't have time to really go any further because I do want to pray for you. But then you take the word, obviously, and you're reading the word like I just did. And, 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 you're, and you're, you're, you're taking the word and you're mulling over the word. You're, you're chewing on the word. You're not in a race to, to, you're not in a race to get through your devotional. Oh, man, I, oh, look, I have a devotional. We have a devotional. We're actually doing a giveaway this weekend for Jesus 365. But this is so much deeper than your devotional time or checking off your 20-minute box. I mean, this is about becoming one, a bridegroom and a bride becoming one, alone with the Lord every day. Oh, my gosh. And so you're taking the Word and you're, 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 you're meditating on the Word. You're enjoying it. You're bringing the Word into that atmosphere. And all of a sudden, the Word and the Spirit begin to work and, and Jesus is painted in your heart. You begin to see the Lord. And in your heart, you begin to behold Him. And you're, you're discovering Him. It's so very important, man. I could keep going. This is just amazing. Thank you, Lord. If you have prayer requests, oh, let's just take a moment. I, I don't want to miss this. I see Him right now. I, I'm sorry, I feel Him right now. My heart does see Him right now. Lord, just so beautiful. So beautiful. Just give you praise. Jesus draws closer to you. Lord, fill everyone watching right now with the presence of the Spirit in a new way. Give them, give them, Charlie, put on some of that beautiful worship if you can. Give them. Give them a, a fresh vision of your beauty. Give them, give them a hunger that only comes from you. Lord, do it. Oh, we worship. Just start to worship Him right where you are. Lord, we worship you. We love you. I just felt to say this. I feel like many of you have been crying out for stuff, and that's okay. It's good. But I would just have a question. When's the last time you told him you loved him? He's waiting. He's married to you. 
Isaiah 54, 5, do you not know that your maker is your husband? So, why don't we tell him that right now? Maybe he's been waiting all day. Maybe he's waiting a month or a year for you to say, Jesus, I love you. I don't love you enough. I want to love you more. I need you to love you more. So I'm super dependent right here, but I love you. If you're not sure you do, just tell him, I think I do. If I don't, help me love you. Help me love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950640, Lake Mary, Florida 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.